friends, and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast on this Friday, April the 22nd. And wherever you are, whenever you are listening to this, I wish you God's life. I wish you God's joy today as we continue through this octave of Easter, and I wish you a happy Easter, my friends. I hope you are well. We've made it to Friday. Um, We are entering into uh, the second weekend of Easter. Well, it's actually the first well, what do we call it? The second Sunday of Easter, but it's Divine Mercy uh, Sunday. And again, that's that's the conclusion of the octave there. And every one of our Gospels this week, my friends, has helped us understand how our God saves us through this resurrection. And I'm going to I'm going to recap it because these Gospels have been so great. And the one today may be the coup de grace. It may be the, well, at least in my life, it is one of the preeminent gospels, and um, I hope to help bring it to life for you too. So today we're going to do the epilogue of John's gospel. So John's gospel, if you ever read it, uh, really ends with chapter, at the end of chapter 20. And chapter 21, uh, whether it was written by the same author or the same community, I think I suspect it'd be the same community, um, was either a later edition or, or you know, just a, you know, hey, we forgot this story. Let's make sure we write it this way. Either way. Uh, so it's got two endings on uh, John's Gospel. But this is chapter 21, and we're going to do verses 1 through 14. Again, a terrific story, which is so nuanced and many-leveled. And I'm not going to get all those because I want to be out of here in 20. But... Um, but it's so good. So let's break open God's word and let's just chew on it, shall we? A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Together were Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We also will come with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. When it was already dawn, Jesus was standing on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, have you caught anything to eat? They answered him, No. So he said to them, Cast the net over the right side of the boat, and you will find something. So they cast it, and were not able to pull it in because of the number of fish. So the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tucked in his garment, for he was lightly clad, and jumped into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat. For they were not far from shore, only about a hundred yards, dragging the net with the fish. When they climbed out on shore, they saw a charcoal fire with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you just caught. So Simon Peter went over and dragged the net ashore, full of 153 large fish. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come, have breakfast. And none of his disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? 
because they realized it was the Lord. Jesus came over and took the bread and gave it to them, and in like manner, the fish. This was now the third time Jesus was revealed to his disciples after being raised from the dead. My friends, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, I I told you there's so many layers to this gospel. 153 large fish. I mean, there's meaning there. And I'm not going to talk about that meaning today. Not because I don't want to. Not because it's not important. It is. It's so wonderful. And I'm not going to talk about it. Um, you know, the whole idea of, hey, children, have you caught anything to eat? No. Okay. Been trying to do it on your own, huh? Cast it over to the right side. Let's see how we do there. So many fish, can't bring it in. Huh? You know, so much to talk about there. And I'm not going to talk about it. Not that, that we couldn't. I'm not. And, uh, and that whole idea that, Peter, you know, all of a sudden he reappears after he's jumping in the sea and he drags the net up and the net doesn't break. Yeah, there's meaning there. And I'm not going to talk about it. So, Zank, what are you going to talk about? I'm going to talk about Peter. Because I think this is entirely what this is about. Oh, yeah, another thing I'm not going to talk about, the fact that they're going back to their old occupation that they're, they're basically leaving, kind of like Emmaus when they're getting out of town, you know? I'm, I'm done with this, what, what my hopes were. Yeah, not going to talk about it. I want to talk about Peter. And I want to talk about Genesis. Here's, here's the deal. Do you remember Genesis chapter 3? It's the fall, right? And Adam and Eve were communing with God. And God tells him, you can eat of any fruit in the whole garden except the fruit of of that tree, the knowledge of good and evil. And you know the story. Um, and, uh, And so, of course, they eat. And later in the afternoon or evening, I mean, it's a great, you know, wonderful imagery that the, the writer of Genesis uses, that God is wandering through the garden and he's looking for them, but he cannot find them. And finally he does, and they were hiding. And he says to them, why are you hiding? And they said, because we were naked and we were ashamed. And he said, who told you you were naked? You've eaten of that tree, haven't you? So that idea of the effects of sin, brothers and sisters, that we feel naked before God. Don't, don't think of it as sexual sin. That's, that's not the nakedness we're talking about here. We feel naked before God. We feel seen and and we're ashamed of what is being seen, of the decisions and the choices that we have made. We feel naked before God and so we hide. Whoever wrote that story of Genesis, I mean, they nailed what it means, at least at, at some level, to be human and feel that shame and that regret because we hide, okay? Keep that in your back pocket. Now let's turn to Peter. So Peter and his friends are out fishing. 
And after they go to the right side of the boat and they bring in as many fish as, you know, nets were almost breaking, can't even haul it in. And the disciple whom Jesus loved, remember, we don't know who that is, but love recognizes. They don't know who that is on the shore. They have no idea. In fact, they don't even know who's on the shore when they're around the, 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 the fire because it's, it has that wonderful room, wonderful line, and none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you, because they realized it was the Lord, which implies that he didn't look the same. But we're going to go with the fact that it's got to be Jesus because this is all crazy stuff happening here. That they realized on a different level, not through their eyes, through their hearts, through the actions of what's going on, that they're encountering the Christ, right? Just like Mary did in the garden. Just like the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Just like here. So love is the one that recognizes him. The disciple whom Jesus loved, the one whose head was resting on his chest during the Last Supper, recognizes him and says, it is the Lord. And what does Peter do? Peter, what it says here, now you gotta, you got to understand Bible talk here. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tucked in his garment, for he was lightly clad. All right, that's Bible speak. That's Bible speak. When Peter heard that it was the Lord, he realized he was naked. And what did he do? He tucked in garments, and he jumps into the sea to hide himself. Why would Peter need to do that? Because of his denial. Now you may say, but that's already been taken care of. This story, this story, and I'm going to name it, is the reclamation of Peter. The story is all about Peter. From, from head to toe. And, and now, so Peter hides from God. Jesus is there on, on the seashore. And Peter is hiding. Well, eventually, the, the ship and Peter get there. And what is there? What do we know? What do we see? Um, when they climbed out on the shore, they saw a charcoal fire with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you just caught. A charcoal fire. Brothers and sisters, where have you heard that before? I'll tell you where. In John chapter 18. In fact, I'll read it to you. And this is during the Passion. We read it a week ago. Now, this is 1818. Now the slaves and the guards were standing around a charcoal fire that they had made because it was cold and were warming themselves. Peter was also standing there, keeping warm. And they said to him, You are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, a relative of the one whose ear Peter had cut off, said, didn't I see you in the garden with him? Again, Peter denied it. And immediately the cock crowed. I might have missed one of the denials in there. That only has him doing it too. He did it three. But you get the point. It was around the charcoal fire where Peter denied Jesus. And so Jesus brings him back brings specifically Peter back to the charcoal fire. And uh, in this gospel, what does he have on there? He has bread and fish. Think 
the five loaves and the two fish from feeding the 5,000, right? John chapter 6, what does he do with that? That's Eucharist. He brings him back to the very spot of his sin. And he says, you think your sin is stronger than me? You think your sin is what's going to destroy you? I think your sin is exactly where you're going to find forgiveness. And it's exactly where you're going to find new life. And if we don't get it from that, brothers and sisters, and, and by the way, go on to a concordance. Pick up a concordance somewhere. Go on to your, your internet and put in Bible concordance, New American Bible, New Revised Standard Version, whatever you want. Put in the word charcoal and find out how many times it's used in Scripture. I'll tell you. It's used twice in the New Testament. And I just read them both to you. That is no coincidence. Peter's sin was around the charcoal fire. So God brings him back to that very sin and says, the very thing that was going to destroy you and destroy our relationship, oh yeah, I can make it, I can make it life. I can transform that. I can, I can feed you out of that. And what does he feed us? His very self in the Eucharist. But even beyond that, he feeds us that whole idea that says, you're never far from me. What you think is, is going to sever our relationship and you hide from me is the very thing that I invite you back into to realize you're never far, that forgiveness always binds us. And in case we didn't get it now, if we kept reading this scripture, you know what happens immediately next. You know it. You know the story. Jesus and Peter walk along the shore. And Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? You know I love you, Lord. Feed my lambs. And he asked him how many times? Yep, three. There's no coincidence there. This is all about Peter. So why am I, why am I, why is this so important? Because brothers and sisters, here's the deal. Here's the deal. The very, and, and these are Richard Rohr's words. I wish, I wish they were mine, but they're not. And I'm going to read them. Uh, verbatim. God's one and only job description is to turn death into life. That's what God does. I'm going to re- I'm going to say that again. God's one and only job description is to turn death into life. That's what God does. And, and so, brothers and sisters, we've heard it this whole week. And we started on Monday, right, with the empty tomb, the women who came out on Easter Sunday morning, and the tomb was open, and they didn't see Jesus there. And the angels are like, you know, who are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth. Is He is not here. He has been raised. And so we get to look into the very thing that, that is our greatest fear, death itself, and, and Jesus opens up the tomb God, through Jesus, opens up the tomb, helps us look in to see you don't need to be afraid of it. God saves us through that. And then on Tuesday, we get, uh, gosh, what happened? Oh, what happened on Tuesday? Oh, Tuesday was Mary Magdalene, right? That she was weeping outside the tomb. And, uh, and she thinks that Jesus is the gardener. She says, sir, tell me where, where they've taken him. And he says, you know, Mary. And then she realizes who it is and clings to him. 
that God saves us, brothers and sisters, through knowing who you are and knowing who I am and knowing our name. We are saved, brothers and sisters, when, and God is present, by the way. New life is present. God is real, made real, when we are known by another. And they know our name. They know everything about us. They know who we are. And then, on Wednesday, we have the the disciples on the road to Emmaus. The God is made known in the breaking of the bread. Eucharist, yes, God is made known to it because he actually, we feed on his very being. But even beyond that, God is made known when we take ourselves, allow ourselves to be blessed, broken, and shared on behalf of others. When we break ourselves in service and give of ourselves, God is made known and God is present and new life is happening, and we continue to be saved through that new life. And God is made known yesterday when Jesus comes through, and the first words were not words of chastisement, but instead, peace be with you. And God is made known and made real, and he saves us when we are able to share our vulnerabilities, our scars, with one another, and to be able to be human with one another, and to be loved on that level. And God saves us today, brothers and sisters, when the very thing that should sever us from God, the very thing that can and and should destroy us, becomes the very thing that unites us and ties us and saves us because we see and experience that God loves us, not just in spite of our sin, almost because of it. It's the vehicle God is able to use to show us God's love. How is that possible? Brothers and sisters, God lets nothing happen here on earth that cannot be made new and redeemed, including our sin. And if God can use the worst day, last Friday, and make it the best thing, God can use Whatever we have going on, we do not need to hide from our God because of our sin, but instead we allow God to invite us back to that charcoal fire and experience God's forgiveness and allow ourselves to be saved through it, to be made new, to realize there is new life there. As Julian of Norwich said, first the fall and then the rising from the fall, and both, both are the mercy of God. Because it's there in that experience. We experience God's presence. We experience God's presence through God's forgiveness and the new life that comes. My brothers and sisters, this is a great week. It is our octave. It is the celebration, our highest celebration in all the church year. And I wish you all a happy Easter. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. The fifth glorious mystery, Mary is crowned Queen of Heaven. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. 
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. My friends, thanks for being with me this week. I hope your weekend is filled with every good thing. May God bless you and keep you as we continue this Easter octave. Happy Easter and God's peace.